0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Dollapenna. And on this episode of the podcast, we welcome one of the brightest talents in American cricket, 17 year old Rahul Jarawala, who has been called up into the USA squad and is set to make his debut later this month against Ireland in the ODI series that is scheduled to take place in Florida from December 26th to the 30th. Rahul is set to become the third youngest player to ever play for USA in 50 over cricket just slightly older than Steven Taylor and Greg Studial when they made their debuts for USA in 2010 and 2008 respectively and Rahul is coming off a fantastic tournament in Texas where he scored two centuries and was the leading run scorer in the USA Cricket Men's 50 over national championships so he's in excellent form that's part of why he's been selected but he's been on the radar for quite some time especially after emerging on the usa under 19 squad as a 15 year old in the summer of 2019 he's been progressing very quickly along the pathway and now he's on the podcast and you'll get to hear more about him and his journey to the national team but first, I want to remind everybody that the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, presented by Dream Cricket, is also sponsored by Moosa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, call 713-534-2195. That's Musa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. Today's edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, presented by Dream Cricket, we have one of the latest additions to the USA Men's Senior Squad the pride of Fremont, California, Rahul Jarawala. Rahul, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Peter. Always a pleasure.
0: Oh, the pleasure is all mine getting (laughs) to speak to, like I say, the newest member, one of the newest additions of the national team squad. You, along with Otzel Vigela and Marty Kane, drafted into the men's squads that I'll be taking on Ireland coming up later in December. So first off, How did you get the news and what did it mean to you once the news came through?
1: So we got it in an email, obviously like the players do normally before they send the press release out. And my email is actually connected to my dad's computer as well. So I'm terrible at checking emails, to be honest. So I'm at school and my dad texts me, dude, you're in. And I'm like, in what? Like, what are you talking about? And he's just like, go check your email. And then from there, I like, I didn't stop smiling the whole day. I didn't care about what was happening in any of my classes, but that email came through and it changed my day.
0: I sure hope it changed your day. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty special day, pretty memorable day. It, is, it really is. Being at school, what was the reaction like amongst your friends and classmates?
1: They are actually really supportive of my cricket. Um, to be honest, I think they make it bigger than it is, but... They were all around me. Obviously, it says to keep it confidential, but they were reading the email with me and they just started going crazy. They were telling every person they knew, and I don't think anyone even knew who I was, but they, they, were, going, they were happier than me, to be honest.
0: The experience of being a, a national team representative, forget what sport it is. It could be baseball, basketball, ice hockey, cricket, tiddlywinks. Doesn't matter what sport it is, being able to represent USA and being able to do it at your age, do you feel like or do your friends treat you like now you're some kind of celebrity or is it are they they kind of cut you down to size and and keep you down to earth?
1: No, they, they keep me grounded for sure. I mean, you know, I have an amazing bunch of friends and they are very supportive. They help me in every way. And I really wouldn't be here without them, especially after, you know, what happened with the under 19s. They definitely have my back.
0: We'll definitely talk about what happened with the under-19s a little bit later. But first, is somebody born and raised in Fremont, California, which for people who are not up to speed on their California geography or their U.S. geography in general, Fremont is right on the southern, southeastern tip of the East Bay of the San Francisco Bay Area. So it's San Francisco is on the west side of the bay. Oakland is on the east side of the bay, and that's more towards the northern tip of the San Francisco Bay. Fremont is at the southern, southeastern end, coast of the San Jose, Santa Clara, that area. So that's where you're from. And that's where there's an awful lot of junior cricket and your under-19 teammate, and now your USA senior teammate, Valtzalvigila, also from the same area. That junior cricket scene, whether it's California Cricket Academy or San Ramon Youth Cricket Association, there's a number of other academies that have worked hard to develop kids in that area. What has it been like growing up in an area of the country where youth cricket, not just cricket, but youth cricket, has been so prominent and helping to give kids like you opportunities to play?
1: No, absolutely. It's amazing. Specifically where we live, there's a lot more cricket facilities in general. It's not only the academies, just facilities where people can go and train and then with high level coaches as well. So I think that just kind of brought the competitive spirit, like you're playing for your club, From that young age, you want to beat the other, all the other academies. You want to be the best academy. And I think just the coaches, the competitive spirit, the constant practices kind of mold you into the player that, or at least for me, that I am today.
0: Now you're playing cricket for the USA national team at under 19, going back to 2019, you represented USA and Canada as a 15 year old. And now you're on the verge of making your USA men's team debut. But growing up, you played other sports, especially baseball. I know you played high school baseball for the varsity team at your high school, Irvington High School, which is part of the Fremont School District. Take us through growing up in that area, playing other sports, especially baseball, and kind of the influences that those sports had. And also, was cricket actually your first love? Or was it another sport?
1: To be quite honest, my first love was baseball. Something about being a kid and knowing that, you know, if you get out on a duck, you don't have to field for the rest of the day. That That's what brought baseball to me. I think that You know, Growing up, you're feeling like you go to a cricket match, you get out early, there goes your whole day. You're sitting at the ground, you're fielding, you're watching other people score hundreds. But baseball, you're never really out of the game. You're always going to have another at bat. You're always going to get on the field. And I think just growing up with that short attention span as a kid, I want to just stick around that environment. But I developed some really good friends, really good teammates, some really good mentors. And I remember my coach, who's actually the high school varsity coach of Irvington right now, He was my Little League coach all throughout, and he was extremely supportive of my cricket, and still is. He still talks to me. Even though I don't know if I'm going to play this year, he's still in touch. He's checking on how I am. He wished me congratulations once I made the team. But I think baseball was my first love.
0: Now, I watched another podcast interview that you did with Nate Hayes of Emerging Cricket, and you had said in that interview that – You grew up a Yankees fan, and that Derek Jeter is your favorite player. Part of that is due to the fact that your dad, when your dad first came over from India, you said he started off in New York before he moved to California. And he fell in love with the Yankees as a newcomer to New York, right kind of at the peak of their 90s dynasty.
1: It's very weird
0: for me to talk to somebody who was born in 2003 when I grew up in New York, New Jersey, right in the the mid to late nineties, when the Yankees were winning world series, somebody who's grown up not experiencing what it's like to have the Yankees win world series year after year after year. So I'm curious besides, I guess the influence of your dad, how did you become a Yankees fan growing up in Northern California and in what ways did your dad share that love for the Yankees that made it such a strong influence on your upbringing as a baseball fan?
1: I think, obviously, his understanding of the game at the time was limited. But, you know, the environment in New York, when you love a sports team, you love a sports team. And he brought that over for sure. And then after I started playing, I fell in love with playing shortstop. I mean, kind of leading the game. That's the captain right there. And then being able to watch Derek Jeter do it night in, night out, that just sealed the deal for me. I'm a Yankees fan for life now.
0: So when did this love affair for the Yankees in your life first begin?
1: I think as soon as I started baseball, obviously, like as a young kid, I would watch whatever was on TV and whatever my dad was watching. So, you know, in the fall, I'd be watching the playoffs. And they were a solid team back then. So obviously, as a kid, you want to like a team that's winning, especially if it's the team that your dad already likes. So I'd say around like the age of seven or eight, I started developing like this I want to wear a Derek Jeter jersey. I want to wear a Yankees hat. You know, that's when that love kind of started.
0: Now, did you ever wind up going to any Yankees games in particular when they might have been playing the Oakland A's?
1: So I've been to two Yankees games, one in the New New York Stadium, or it was new at the time, but I have family in New York and they surprised me with a trip to Yankee Stadium. We watched a game against the Orioles. I don't remember the final score, but that was an amazing experience. And then... We did go to a game in Oakland. New York was playing here, and it was something else. I mean, just watching my favorite team go in and
0: play. Did you have to go in incognito and not wearing any Yankee stuff? Because Oakland can be a pretty rough place for a visiting fan.
1: Yeah, I think I played for the A's one year in Little League. I put that hat on and just went in. I was quiet whenever the Yankees scored a run. But the environment at the Yankee Stadium when I went was, like, incredible. It was amazing.
0: You grew up playing baseball. You said playing shortstop. At what age did you get introduced to cricket and how were you introduced to cricket?
1: I think it was a year after. So I must've started playing baseball at six or seven. And then around seven or eight, I started playing cricket. And there was this flyer being passed around my apartment complex for this new cricket academy or like a developing one, CCA, which is now not new anymore. But they had practices on blacktop at the school that I went to. And it was like a couple of minutes away. And my dad being a cricket lover was like, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to try it out and see how it is. And just picking up the bat, hitting the ball. I mean, that feeling still to this day, it still gets me. But started off on playing on blacktop, which was quite an experience.
0: You say it was quite an experience. What made you want to stick with it as somebody who, as you, you admitted, your first love was actually baseball?
1: Well, first of all, at the time, I think as a kid, you just want to play everything you don't want to stop playing but knowing that it meant a lot to my dad to play cricket and it's like part of my culture part of my pastime that's where I kind of developed like this feeling of okay I do want to play this game and again growing up making the friends that I had through cricket that helped me stick with it even through the tough times so it's just kind of the community that's built around the cricket academies and groups just makes a difference
0: One of the things that I find fascinating doing a little bit of research about Irvington baseball and how the community is in Fremont, obviously in the cricket community, it's predominantly South Asian. Everybody you would be playing with at CCA and in the local club scene out in the East Bay of California is going to be ethnically South Asian. You're going to have a lot of friends who are Indian American, just like yourself. But the Irvington high school baseball team, I found a copy of the media guide online there are, if I counted correctly, at least nine players on the high school baseball roster that you were a part of that are also South Asian descent. And so from a social standpoint, it's not like cricket is an entirely different or unique experience in your part of the country. There's an awful lot of South Asian kids who are into baseball. So from a social standpoint, what was that like in terms of the pull of your, your social network and your social friend group that's involved with baseball? versus the social network and the social pool and cricket. And was there any overlap? Were you the only kid that was really playing both sports or were there a lot of other kids that you grew up with that tried to spend time playing both cricket and baseball?
1: I think I was the only kid that did play both sports, but both the communities are like extremely fun-loving, like great people. I'm still friends with people from both communities, obviously cricket, still playing it, but baseball kind of fading. I'm still friends with a lot of my teammates Throughout the years, most of my friend group at high school today is built off my Little League teams. So I think just in general, like both are extremely supportive of the other, like my cricket teammates would always be asking about baseball and then my baseball teammates asking about cricket. So I think just amazing people on both sides and extremely supportive too.
0: You mentioned your coach, Frank Durand, who is your high school varsity coach at Irvington. And you said he's your Little League coach, so he's been there throughout much of your development as an athlete whether it's baseball or cricket what kind of influence has he had as an athlete whether it's cricket or baseball
1: um i think one thing with him that you know will always stand out to me is he coaches being a person first and he puts that over being an athlete and i think that's something that a lot of coaches look past he is extremely strict on grades you know how you are as a person how you are as a teammate And then obviously as a coach, you want to win, you want to have a good team. But the fact that he doesn't look over being a person first is something that always stood out to me. And I think it kind of helped me form into the leader that I think I am today, where like I can communicate and work with all kinds of people, no matter what the situation is.
0: He was one of the first people who texted you or reached out to you to congratulate you on making the USA national team for the men's team to have somebody do that when potentially your selection to the cricket team might limit your opportunities with the baseball team to have him reach out in the way that he did to congratulate you. What did that mean to you?
1: We've grown at this point to be family. I think it's more than just like a coach and like a player we've grown up, me and his kid have grown up together. Um, So he texted my dad right away and he was like, I'm so proud of him because he's seen me grown up into the person that I am today. And I think that it was special to know that he I've always had to support, even though. Sometimes my dad would push me to play cricket a little bit more than baseball, but knowing that his support is always there, it, it does mean a
0: lot. And you grew up with his son. So Lucas is who yeah. you're referring to. I'm assuming. Lucas Durand, who is also on the baseball team. What is the relationship like with him?
1: Uh, he's, he's a stud. He's a good player. Um, there's a picture of us like as little kids with our arms around each other. And every time I look at that, it just, it brings me back. We have a really good relationship. I think, you know, we talk about more than baseball. We're we're good friends. And, like, whenever I see him at school, I'll, you know, give him a high five, say what's up. He is a grade younger than me, so, like, our friends group don't necessarily mix, but uh, I am still in contact with him. I talk to him quite a lot, yeah.
0: Have you ever tried to rope him into cricket?
1: No, nah, I stayed away from that. I don't think his dad would be too happy about that.
0: <laughs> he's got his limits. Yeah. <laughs> Coach Frank is, he's he can allow you to go off to cricket, but his own son, it's a bridge too far. That's too, far. that's too much. You played varsity baseball as a freshman and right around the same time, you were picked to represent the USA under 19 team as a 15 year old in the summer of 2019. It seems almost like an eternity ago now talking about pre pandemic era cricket, international yeah. cricket. You were one of the youngest players in the team. You Simon Kamala were both 15 years old in the squad. Raymond Dar was also in the squad. And Ali Sheikh was there. There's a number of guys who would have been able to participate in 219 cycles if the under-19 qualifier had happened in the summer of 2021. But you were there, and you started in the in the 11 for all four matches that USA played. How was it for you trying to be able to balance both dreams and both pursuits and desires at such a high level?
1: I think that takes me back to the tryouts of the baseball team, um, I remember going there and you can tell in which crowd you belong, you know, JV varsity. And I felt like I was ready to play at the varsity level. And so did coach. But I remember that I got the email, I think on the third day of tryouts saying that there was a camp in Florida to go for this USA under 19 trip. And he said, you know, if you go, I can't start you going varsity. You're going to have to work your way up. And I said, you know what? I, I guess I got to go. So I did go. And so that meant I couldn't start playing on varsity. I was picked on the JV team. And then eventually through my performances, I got pulled up. And I remember waiting for those results to come out. I was extremely nervous, but playing baseball kind of gave me this relaxation that, you know what, I'm on the varsity team now. This is cool. I get get to work with older teammates and they're kind of like helping me in. And the day I got picked for the team, I was at practice. It was after school. I think the email got sent out around four-ish, 4 p.m. California time. And I was at practice. My dad called Coach Frank and Coach Frank is actually the one that told me dude, you're in the team. And I remember he let, he let me leave practice early. He let me talk to my dad. Again, just goes to show that he's always kind of been there in the big moments.
0: Once you were selected, then over the course of the rest of the season, how did that affect your ability to prepare both on a daily basis for your high school baseball team, which it, essentially in high school, it's, it's a five-day-a-week thing. You're either playing or practicing every single day. There's no off days versus trying to find time outside of a game to train with cricket?
1: It was really difficult. Um, I don't think I managed it. Um, I had days starting at seven, leaving for school, not reaching home until 930 in that night. I would practice, go straight to cricket. I wouldn't eat. It was really difficult. And I remember on a couple of game, ga- game days, we'd have to clean up our field after the game. And my dad would always be at the side of the fence telling coach, you know, we got to go. We got practice. And he'd always be like, all right, do what you got to do. But it was quite difficult. They were extremely long days. And sometimes it got very mentally heavy, I think. You know, I was still growing into myself, still figuring out who I was as a, like a young teenager. And to have those long days, it was very tiring. But I'm happy because it taught me a lot about determination and grit and just kind of fighting through all the tough moments. And that's what kind of helped me got to where I am today.
0: Was there any moment during that whole first season where you thought about pulling the plug on one or the other? Could have been cricket that you decided to give up and stick with baseball or could have been baseball. You didn't do either. You still stayed committed to both and you've already talked about you're still contemplating pursuing another season with the varsity baseball team. Has that thought ever crossed your mind where this is getting to be too much, I really have to draw a line in the sand and and commit myself to one sport or the other? Or do you still feel you've got the energy and the the drive and the passion to continue committing yourself to both?
1: When I was a freshman, it was tough. I did have days where I was like, I just don't want to do either of them, to be honest. But looking back at it now and being at the situation that I am today, I think that it is cricket has become a priority. Um, and if I am not able to play this season, I would still definitely love to be around like the baseball environment because I still have team friends playing on the team. But yeah, I think that cricket has become a priority based on just, you know, playing for the national level is something different.
0: When you say something different, how would you characterize the difference in just the physical training standards that you have to commit to? And also the the mental kind of wear and tear and and the amount that it takes to just kind of steal yourself and kind of devote yourself up here to be able to be at the level that you want to be
1: physically it is difficult there is a lot of time commitment um, with fitness and practice it's something that is required at the national level but I think that's the easy part to be honest I think putting in the hours on the field off the field that's the easy part but the hard part is Being mentally prepared to play at that level, I think, especially against a team like Ireland, for me, I mean, they're off the back of a World Cup. Just being prepared, trusting yourself, I think, is something I've learned is that you're here for a reason and you need to back yourself. Otherwise, if you try to be someone you're not, it's not going to work out. So I think the mental part is a bit tougher, but being on top of both the physical and mental aspect of it is something that you have to do.
0: Now, let me go back to the summer of, of 2019. You get picked. You touched on it a little bit before that you don't feel like you were able to balance both baseball and, and cricket the way you, you really felt was most desirable. USA did not qualify out of that tournament. You started off winning your first three games, but then in the essentially winner take all match against Canada, USA lost that match. What were the things that you learned that you took away from that summer to try and reflect on in order to get better as a player going forward?
1: Obviously, that was a really tough time, but I think something that a lot of athletes don't know is how to lose. Obviously, no one wants to lose a game, but it does happen. It's sport. And growing up playing for you know cCA, i we didn't lose a lot of games like in youth cricket. and so, going to the national level, and then after playing three teams that weren't as strong as us, playing against a good Canadian team and losing, it put things into perspective. I think that it just helped me understand that winning winning isn't everything. Obviously, that match is something I wanted to win, but it helped me understand that you do lose, it happens, but how you come back from it is what truly defines you as a player and as well as a person.
0: And continuing on that theme, if we go back to earlier this year, The under-19 tournament in Texas, USA Nationals, I think a lot of people assumed that it was a foregone conclusion that the likes of yourself, Ali Sheikh, Abiram Vali Samagari, Raymond Dar, Simon Kamala, because you had all represented the under-19 team in 2019, I think a lot of people just assumed, oh, pencil them into the roster, nobody's going to have to worry about their spot. It's the other seven or eight or nine spots in the roster that are really up for grabs, Everybody found out that's not the case, and you more so than a lot of other people, got a a very stark reminder that you scored 58 runs in four matches and were not picked for the initial under-19 training squad. What did you learn from that experience, both in terms of the actual performance aspect of it and then just the stark reality of getting the news that you had not been picked. Take me through that whole experience and, and kind of the emotions and kind of to come away from that and try and find a way to find the positives where it's maybe a bit hard to it at the time.
1: Playing-wise, something I used to do and that I've stopped doing for my own good, but playing to prove something, I think having that mental pressure in your mind that you always have to prove to someone how good you are is what kind of brought me down that tournament with some technical flaws, obviously, but the mindset that I had to show people that I was capable of playing at this level was something that brought me down. And after that, it was obviously one of the darkest times of my life. I felt not alone because I did have a really strong support group, but I wanted to be alone. I felt like I'd kind of let the people around me down. Again, even my friends, my parents, even though my dad will not admit it, I'm sure he thought, You know, let me book the tickets to Canada already. But to not be there in that squad, um, it was humbling. It was very humbling. I think, again, perspective. Don't take anything in life for granted. And without that, I don't think I'd be in the position that I am today playing or being picked for the national men's team.
0: Why do you say that?
1: I say that because oftentimes, again, I don't want to say that I went in with the mindset that, oh, I'm going to be picked. But I had the kind of pressure of saying, oh, I need to be picked. I need to prove something to the selectors to know because I have a name. Us five, I think, Rahman, Sai, Avi, Ali. Obviously, those guys are amazing players, and they did perform at that stage, and I didn't. And I think that itself was humbling. Again, I had people coming up to me, oh, are you ready for Canada, this and that. And I think I let it get to my head a little bit. I would say, you know, we're going to beat them this time or something like that. But not making the team... Having to come back, having to reset, it was a really, I don't want to say a good experience because it definitely wasn't good, but yeah, humbling and giving me some perspective on, you know, staying true to myself and staying true to my game. It, that's where it kind of helped,
0: I guess. One of the other things you said was that when you were not picked, you felt alone. And then you also said you wanted to be alone. Going from that mindset to then getting a late call afterwards, after there was uh, some injuries and and some uh, unavailability that opened the door for you to then get called into the under nineteen training group as a late addition, and I think also the fact that the camp was held in Northern California, the fact that you were a local guy, it wasn't going to be a cost issue in terms of trying to fly in a replacement player. You were already there. All these things, but the gap from April to then June when the camp was, where you say you felt like you wanted to be alone, and then all of a sudden you get called in. How did you switch the mindset from isolation is just kind of feeling down and and almost kind of not wanting to have anything to do with it to then flipping the switch back on to get reengaged?
1: Quite honestly, it started soon after I didn't get picked. I don't want to jump straight to getting recalled, but my friends, again, an amazing support group, they started waking me up early in the mornings. They would come and work out at six in the morning. They'd come run with me. We'd go to a park. I, as much as I didn't want to do it, I wanted to sleep all my problems away. I knew that wasn't the answer. And you know they were there. day in day out, they were there. They understand how they understood how difficult it was for me. And I think their support, without their support, I wouldn't have been ready for the call-up. But when they did call me, I knew that I was prepared and I was ready to play.
0: And at the camp, When I saw you, you looked like a different player than I had seen in April, just from the standpoint of your approach. I don't think there was anything drastically different from a technical skills standpoint, but you looked a hell of a lot more relaxed. You were a lot freer. You looked like you didn't care in the sense that there was a sense of freedom. Like, oh, hey, no big deal. If I get picked, I get picked. And if I don't, I don't. But you looked like somebody who had the attitude of, I'm just going to go out there and have fun. Whatever happens, happens. How did that approach, I guess, and kind of the encouragement from your friends affect the way you did go out there and perform in such a positive manner when the camp began?
1: You know, talking to a couple of my friends, a couple of my closest friends, I came to the realization that I have nothing to prove. People know me, people know my name, they know who I am. I don't have to go out there every day and try to prove to myself that I'm capable of playing at this level. And I think going to that camp Again, being around people I like, I love my teammates, my USA teammates. They're amazing people. I was just happy to be amongst my friends. And I think the attitude of just batting freely, I think more specifically in terms of my batting, batting freely, not being worried about getting out or showing a selector that I have this certain shot. It did help it. I saw the post that you put. I have have a nice smile looking at you back there. But yeah, I think that that smile was something that really got me through that period of time.
0: Today's episode of The Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas and now one of the premier venues for the minor league cricket T20 franchise tournament. Located at 5515 McKeever Road in Pearland, 5 miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288 and a half hour south of downtown Houston, Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms plus shower facilities after a days play as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. For more information, call Seven one three five three four two one nine five. That's Musa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. In terms of motivation and having something like that happen, sometimes getting pissed off can be a huge source of motivation, rather than constantly getting pat on the back and everybody telling you how great you are. And did that in any way factor into your motivation to try and come back, even though you said you didn't feel like you had anything to prove anymore? You just wanted to go out and play. But did that happen at all?
1: I think it started. Again, before the call up, I was very angry, obviously. I did not put up the numbers that I should have, but I still felt I should have been in the team. And I took it personally. I started going to the gym a lot more. I was training longer hours with my former USA teammate Watson. And he was someone who's, again, stood by my side. He helped me a lot. You know, we worked together. And I think that anger started off the field with my fitness and getting a lot fitter. By the time, Recall came, I was ready to go. And then there, I was just, there was a little bit of, you know, let's prove some people wrong. But while I was batting, my mind was quite empty. I was pretty, I was playing pretty freely.
0: It wasn't just in the Honor 19 camp that you started to show some of these people I'm not the player that I was in April. You were scoring heavily in some of the interleague events. So it wasn't just like a one off turnaround there was a consistent run of form that you had and also going into the minor league team with the silicon valley strikers playing for them they eventually went to north carolina you guys won the inaugural championship for the minor league cricket franchise tournament that competition i want to ask you about i think i've seen you mention it in a few other places about the influence of some of your teammates there in particular somebody like chand who came in after the start of the season but then you got a chance to bat with him quite often throughout the summer What kind of lessons did you take from him, whether from a technical standpoint, mental standpoint, or just from a life experience standpoint? Because he's somebody who has also had his fair share of slides that have taken him to where he is today. So what did you learn from him?
1: I learned quite a lot, actually. Um, It started with kind of just a mentality of, again, playing freely, not taking any pressure. I did have a rough beginning of the minor league season I wasn't scoring a lot of runs. And then once he came in, once I started batting with him, our chat's in the middle of, you know, back yourself. You got this. I mean, again, I think I said it on Nate's show, but a player of that stature being confident in your ability gives you confidence of yourself. I mean, someone who's played for India under 19 is telling you that you're capable of doing something you're going to believe in. And it started there. It started with his belief. And then we'd have chats about, you know, things I can improve on. He was just really supportive. And I think that having that support throughout the season, him, Saurabh, Narsingh, Shehan, just guys like that who do support you, it it, it does mean a lot.
0: Those are some pretty big names for anybody to be able to get to bat with and kind of soak up technical skills or temperamental approaches to cricket at any age. Anybody who would get a chance to be around those guys would be pretty lucky. But as a 17-year-old, getting a chance to be in a squad that that's deep, and not just be in the squad, but be a regular player in the eleven, alongside the likes of, like you said, Narsing Mishavalkar, Narsingh Dienerain, Unmokchand, Shehan Jayasaria, so many experienced international players in that group. What are some of the other things you've gotten to learn that you think have helped speed up your cricket development that you would not have been able to get a chance to experience if you were in a different kind of setup
1: so i think there are two things that stand out to me one is the professionalism um obviously i've never played cricket for money or as a professional like or from a professional standpoint and these people coming from only playing professional cricket it taught me a lot of the standards i need to set for myself both fitness wise and cricket wise and again that's something i'm taking into aspect right now just kind of figuring out what I need to do to play at that professional level and then the second part is having fun I mean it is a game after all and these guys did remind me of it and they just brought a kind of chill relaxed fun aspect to the game that I didn't have before
0: hearing you say that and bringing up the word fun I find kind of interesting because there are times I've seen people whether it's minor league cricket or playing for USA the men's team or the women's team recently in this past year or whether it's national events, sometimes I've seen some players who look like they're absolutely miserable out on the field and they look like they want to be anywhere else in the world, but a cricket field away from the field once the match is over or talking to a, a teammate who's was waiting um, to see them after they come off the field or a coach uh, there, a few times where I've just had a quiet word with somebody say, Hey, you know, so and so they're at a cricket match. It's supposed to be fun. Don't look so damn miserable. <laughs> you know you're, there are so many worse places you could be than having a chance to play and represent USA or represent a conference or a regional team and God like yeah. don't take it so seriously. I know I know you want to impress and you, you want to showcase your skills and do the best you can but like hey at the end of the day it is only a cricket match like have some fun out there for God's sake you know yeah. but it can be hard. Because you feel like, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And if you don't achieve that, uh, oh, God, you know, the sky is falling. And, uh, oh, God, you know, this this is the worst thing ever. And, you know, you said yourself at the start, compared to cricket, baseball, like, oh, if you get out for a duck, geez, you got to field all day. And you you got all that time to think about how you got out. And when's the next chance you're going to get to bat again? So what are some of the mechanisms that you use that you feel have been successful to try and re-establish the fun in cricket so that regardless of the outcome you don't have that mental pressure and it does allow you to perform the way you want to perform
1: i think the main thing in terms of having fun is enjoying my teammates company know, you're spending the whole day with these guys i mean whether it's on the field or in the dugout if you're not able to enjoy them and treat them as friends then there's no chance you can have fun on the cricket field and Specifically with this under-19 team at the national tournament, we had a lot of fun. I mean, when we're on the field, we're making jokes, we're smiling. While sitting in the dugout, if you're not the next to bat, you're having a chat with one of your teammates. And I think just that kind of camaraderie that built was really strong, and it helped me have fun while playing the game.
0: I had conversations with people throughout the tournament, the men's national tournament in Texas in November. And this is something that came up quite often, was that, especially for the first couple days of the tournament, When we were walking around to the different fields, observing all the different states of play and matches in progress, the USA under-19 team was the number one team that stood out to myself and a whole lot of other people who were there as, I guess, outside observers that these guys look like they enjoy each other's company more than the other players and the other teams do. And we thought, why is that? You know, there's some teams where the the selection pool might come from a very wide geographic area. So maybe a lot of these guys don't play together with each other as much, or they're not as familiar with each other. And some of these guys who are playing in different teams, this might be the first time they're actually meeting some of their teammates. They literally don't know them, haven't met them before. And it just seemed like there was a strong bond. There was a strong chemistry, and there was a strong sense of togetherness that the under-19 group has had, from going back to April, some of you guys going back two years ago, but then continuing from April to the summer in June to some other things that you guys have had organized together that even the guys who are on the bench, I just find it incredible. They seemed like they were so engaged and they had smiles on their faces and they were having fun and everybody took enjoyment out of everybody else's success. What was it about the things you talked about enjoying your teammates company and being in an environment that you feel contributed to enable you to finish as the tournament's leading scorer?
1: Specifically batting-wise, I mean, being able to go look at the other end and see one of my friends, if there's a tough period in the middle, we go crack a joke in the middle. Just being able to enjoy each other's company while batting because while you're batting, it's two against 11. And if you're not, you know, good and tight with your partner, it's one against 11. So I think being able to be friends, have a good camaraderie with each one of my teammates – really helped me because that meant no matter who I was batting with, I was always having fun. And again, just having fun while batting is I guess my thing.
0: When you were announced as the tournament's leading scorer and you were called up to the stage to receive your award, I think they were a hell well, I'm happier for you than you were for yourself. <laughs> um, but just seeing their reaction said an awful lot to me. And I think it said an awful lot to other people. What did it mean to you? hearing that behind you and then after getting your word and coming back and, and seeing the way everybody responded from your teammates, what did that mean to you?
1: It definitely meant a lot. I think oftentimes at a national tournament like this, teammates necessarily might not be wishing for the best. You know, they might not be wanting you to do well because obviously you're still fighting for a spot on the team. But I think with this team, that was never the case. They were completely you know, supportive, extremely happy for me. I definitely heard them you know, cheering for me when I got called up. And when I came back, they all gave me hugs. It was it was special to know that I had their support through and through.
0: What's the most satisfying aspects of the journey you had within the time span from April to then picking up that leading score award in Texas and eventually parlaying that into selection for the national team?
1: The first hundred I got at the men's national tournament, I think Again, very few people know how dark a road it was after the original under-19, you know, selection. And to be able to come out and show that I could still play at the men's level, it was kind of a relief, I guess, that, okay, finally, say you don't want to prove anything, but all right, finally, people, you know, people know who you are. People can see that you can still play. And I think that was just kind of a moment where I could take a deep breath and truly feel that all the hard work I put in was paying off.
0: A lot of times when guys get to 100, we all know how they react. They go crazy. They jump up and down and scream and shout and rip off their helmet and make a big show of it. You were very, very much the opposite. Got to your 100, and you took like this huge sigh, and then you got down. You just kind of crouched down, took a few moments. It almost looked like your teammates were like had to scream and shout and remind you, like, Bro, what the hell are you doing? Take your helmet off. You need a picture. What are you doing? And it was like, you were so caught up in the emotion, the moment of just being overwhelmed. They were 10 times happier for you than you were for yourself. And it's like, what are you doing? You got to, you got to like show that you're happy. Do something, David. Yeah. So that whole sequence, what was going through your mind?
1: I think it started when I was on 99. I played a dot and I was like, all right, just relax one run, you'll get it somehow, play your game. And the next ball, I knocked it down the ground for two. And I remember while coming back from my second run, I just took this deep breath of relief and I heard them screaming and I just kind of took a moment to myself to let it sink in. And normally when I do score my hundreds, I'm not a big celebrator anyways. I don't like rip off my helmet, scream, shout. I don't do much of that. So I looked over, I pointed my bat, and I'll never forget this. But Rituk said, Yo, Peter's over there, just take it off for a picture. And I was like, You know All right. I took it off and just went from there.
0: Oh, it's good to know it. these conversations actually happen out in the middle. I've never, never knew that such things existed. <laughs> but I do get a kick out of it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, honest with God. Red Vic obviously saw it. Are you aware? Does that creep in your mind at all? If you kind of see me out of the corner of your eye or you see somebody else who's there observing the match, it's like, oh, Jesus. Well, actually, I've got actually people paying attention to me now. I better not. And, you know, does it change the way you actually approach going about your processes different to anything else you do habitually up until that point?
1: I think it used to specifically at the under 19 trials. It definitely, you know, you're looking around, checking the field and oh my God, there's a coach. Oh, there's a selector. It does, or it did play in my mind, but after experiencing all that I did, again, not trying to prove anything to anyone, just, you know, doing my thing, it kind of blocks everything outside the ground out, and I think that's what helped me get the bulk of my runs that I've got recently.
0: Now, you talked about the reaction and the emotion of your first century. How did that compare then to a couple days later when you brought up your second century, especially considering it came against a south zone team? that went to the final and it included mainstays in the USA national team, including Steven Taylor and Aaron Jones?
1: I don't know, to be honest, because I got to that hundred with the six. I was struggling in my nineties. They're young, young, quick, I good guy, good bowler. He was troubling me a little bit. And I remember letting go loose on one of the balls and luckily I middled it and I knew right away it was six, but I took my helmet off. I you know, celebrated my hundred, but it didn't sink into me until, both Aaron Jones and Steven Taylor came up to me, shook my hand. They said, well played, you know, and then I was like, oh, damn, you know, I actually did something here. But saying that I did want to win the match and we didn't. And so walking off that field, I was a little bit disappointed, but in general, that was a really good moment.
0: One of the other things you mentioned was about teammates and the level of comfort you had and the enjoyment and enjoying your friends, enjoying being around your teammates with the under-19 squad relaxed you to the stage that you were able to perform the way you did in Texas. How much of an impact do you think it will be for you that you're entering a USA team at the same time as Vazal Vigela? who you've been around quite often throughout your development in Northern California, and also not just Vatsal, but Sorab Natchipalker, who was your teammate with Silicon Valley Strikers and you played with and against a lot.
1: Sorab is like a big brother to me. Like he's always supportive. When I didn't make the team, he reached out, he talked to me, he told me that he'd work with me. And then Vatsal, I mean, we've been talking about debuting for ODIs or for the men's national team for quite a while. And I think to have that be a chance, have that be possible, is honestly something special we've grown up together and to know that we're going to have the opportunity to debut together it, it means a lot
0: earlier you spoke about all your school friends at Irvington but I didn't ask you about Vatsal so the two of you haven't played together all of these years what was the initial interaction that you had with each other when you you realized it wasn't just you who had gotten a call but the two of you together were going to be going to Florida later this month?
1: I was honestly extremely happy because he was able to get picked for both teams and he deserves it. He deserves it more than anything. He's an extremely hard worker and he put up amazing numbers during the minor league. So I was super happy for him. But again, what this means is that we both push each other. I think he definitely pushes me to be a better player. And again, we've been working hard together ever since the call up and hopefully we can both do some things over there.
0: Now, in terms of people who are pushing you, I think you mentioned it briefly before about your dad, Mihir, started your love of baseball, influenced your love of baseball initially. And you talked about you wanted to get into cricket when it was offered to you because you thought it was something that would make him happy as somebody who grew up in India. Having met him in Canada a couple of years ago and the few times I've met him since then, I know he's somebody who's a very, very proud dad. One of the first things he does when I've seen him is he comes up to me and he shows me his phone. And he says, look, look at my background on my phone. And it's a picture of you in a USA uniform. And he's, he'll message me. Hey, do you have any new photos of Rahul? Like, I want to update my, my phone background. I, I got to put some fresh to show everybody like what Rahul is up to. And he's very, very proud and excited to see everything that you do to have that kind of influence in your life compared to, I guess, families, South Asian families in particular, where there's oftentimes a much greater emphasis on academics and sometimes ambivalence towards sports or other extracurricular activities that might be seen as a distraction away from academics or other pursuits to see him and to have that family support be as enthusiastic as it is. What does that mean to you?
1: It does mean a lot. Obviously, there still is quite a large amount of emphasis put on academics because again, you can't take anything for granted. Cricket is temporary, but there is definite support when it comes to cricket. And you know, always being able to look in the crowd and seeing see him there, it does mean a lot. It does mean a lot. And again, as you said, not a lot of families may support cricket or other sports in general. But again, him and my mom, both of them completely supportive. But they also understand when I need a break and they don't push too hard. And I think that's something that I think we figured out together as a family. But it does mean a lot to know that I have their support.
0: Making your debut against Ireland, there's three matches in the ODI series that could take place if and when it takes place. What would that moment mean to you when it comes around?
1: Being able to walk on that field knowing that I'm playing in ODI, um, something that I watch on TV all day. It would definitely mean a lot, but hopefully in the moment I can kind of soak up my emotions and save them for later because at that time I got a match to play and I gotta, you know, give my country my all.
0: You touched on it a little bit before the fact that it's Ireland, it's a test nation, it's somebody who's very recently been playing in the World Cup, the T20 World Cup, and they've had many other illustrious things over the course of their recent history that people in the associate world, in particular prior to their elevation to test status would look to Ireland as a source of inspiration, role models in a sense of what can be done as an associate country prior to them getting test status in 2017. What excites you the most about getting a chance to take on Ireland?
1: I think just being able to rub shoulders with some of their players, you know, hopefully have conversations with them after the game, talk to them about what it takes to play at that level is something that I am looking forward to. And then obviously going out there and you know actually doing the work and playing against them Maybe impressing a few people. But just I think the whole entire experience of again getting to rub shoulders with the likes of Paul Sterling, the big names, it might be really special. Yeah.
0: One other thing that has come up, and this is not unique to you, but this is something that is a recurring conversation that I've seen or debate, I guess to be more accurate, that has come up, whether it's with the men's team or the women's team or the under 19 team, is criticism externally or internally in terms of the U.S. cricket community or beyond the U.S. cricket community, people who look at teams that represent USA and they look specifically at names on the paper and they say, oh, this is just a bunch of Indian guys. These aren't real Americans. And surprise, surprise, That's happened again with the squad announcement. And I've seen people on my own social media pages in response to the squad announcements and elsewhere who said, there's no native born Americans in this team, or there's not really any true Americans in this team. And my response is, what what are you talking about? What's your definition of, quote, quote, a true American? They say, Oh, somebody who's actually born in the country. And I say, well, Steven Taylor is, Rahul Jarawal is, Vatsal is. Oh, well, they don't count because they're Indian. Well, well, they're not Indian. They're American. What are you getting at? What would be your response to somebody who says specifically about you or Vatsal Vigela who questions the authenticity of your American heritage and doubts whether or not you're truly American enough to represent USA?
1: I'd start off by saying look at the birth certificate, see what that says. But I think just... You know, those kind of people, they're always looking for something, something to criticize. And even when they get told they're wrong, they can't accept it. I'd look away from them. I'd try to avoid them. But if they do come up to me, I don't think there's much I can say that can change their mind. So I'd stay quiet.
0: Just in general, what does it mean to you to be somebody who has an opportunity to represent a USA national team in any sport?
1: It's special. I think... Again, playing for a country, being able to represent the people of that country, knowing that you're playing for something bigger than yourself. It's in your head, you know, you're trying to represent something larger than just your individual, just your individual self, just your name. And I think that is special, playing with that weight on your shoulders. It is a weight, it is a burden, but it's also extremely, it makes me prideful. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to play for the national team. And it's nerve wracking, but it's something that I will
0: always be proud of. Well, the U.S. cricket community is proud of you, Rahul, getting this chance to make your debut against Ireland in Florida later this month. And everybody's going to be pulling for you to keep performing the way you have been performing throughout this summer and to keep having fun. Above all, play with a smile on your face. That's what everybody wants to see. And if that's happening, then there's no doubt that Quality performances will be sure to follow. All right. Favorite 11 time. And just reminder to everybody that the favorite 11 on the stars and stripes cricket podcast is presented by dream cricket. The dream cricket pavilion shop can help you fill up all your cricket kit requirements from top of the line, English Willow bats made by all the top manufacturers, as well as helmets, gloves, pads, jerseys, highlight DVDs, books, and more. Get 10% off all orders over $400 using coupon code DCUSA. That's DCUSA. Go to shop.dreamcricket.com to take advantage of that offer today. Dream cricket Academy is located at 400 Apgar drive in Summer. New Jersey just a mile off of exit 12 on Interstate 287 for more information call 908-938-3787 or email cricket at dreamcricket.com Favorite 11 time with Rahul Jarawala Are you ready to rock and roll? Yes sir Your favorite roommate on any cricket tour?
1: I think it would have to be Vatzel.
0: And why Vatzel Vagela?
1: We have very similar vibe very similar taste in music we've grown up with each other so we know each other really well and I think that you know, when we're together, there's never a dull moment, except for the time we lost against Canada. But no, it's, it's good fun with them always.
0: Your favorite way to spend a 14-hour long-haul flight in and out of North America?
1: Sleeping and listening to music, but ju- just relaxing. I mean, I don't like to, you know, have too much fun on planes or even watch movies. I like to just take a nap.
0: Your favorite moment as a Yankees fan especially one born in the post-2003 era of Yankee history.
1: It was a playoff game. I think we're playing the Indians, but I was watching it with a couple of my baseball teammates, and I think we made a bet. It's not necessarily a big moment, but Dede Gregorius, he was up to bat, and I told my friend, you know what? If he hits a home run right now, I will give you whatever you want. And as you know, at first pitch, right down the middle, takes into right field. And I think that moment was just, something crazy and that's it wasn't like a huge moment of the game I don't think it had any impact but it was just super cool
0: your favorite cricket ground experience that you've had as a player or as a fan
1: I think I'd have to go with lords I was able to watch the women's world cup final at the ground at a front row seat it was just a different experience I got I got myself on the big screen a couple of times I think some of my friends took pictures I think they were watching the game but yeah, it was, it was a really nice experience.
0: Your favorite cricketer of all time? I have
1: to go with Dhoni. is an inspiration. And I don't know what more I can say about that, but MS Dhoni is my favorite.
0: Your favorite non-cricket athlete of all time?
1: Derek Jeter. I have to go Jeter.
0: Now, I have to ask you this as a follow-up to both those two choices. You grew up playing baseball. You play as a shortstop on your baseball team for Irvington. And your favorite player is Jeter and yet you're a keeper in cricket. How do you go from being a shortstop where you're constantly moving, you have to have a lot of range of movement, be very active in terms of open field movement versus a keeper who's much more akin to being compared to a catcher in terms of baseball?
1: I think both those positions came naturally, and I don't know how to explain it, but growing up playing baseball, I was always playing shortstop. I hated catching. Once Coach Frank found out I was a keeper, he'd always try to put me behind the plate, but I'd say, no, I want to play short. And then being able to adapt to cricket and keeping, it was it was quite easy. I felt like I fit into both those positions really well.
0: Your favorite place to eat out on a cricket tour?
1: At least when I'm in the West Coast, In-N-Out. I mean, go get a quick burger, get some fries, call it a day.
0: I've never been to an In-N-Out burger. What's your go-to menu item on the In-N-Out burger menu? You got to get the animal fries. I mean,
1: it seems like a very easy item to make, but... The way In-N-Out makes it, they hit.
0: I might have to investigate that. I might have to take a break from Chick-fil-A and Five Guys once when I'm out on the West Coast. You should. All right. Are you a Coke or a Pepsi guy, Rahul? I don't
1: like soda. I'm a juice guy.
0: If you have a preferred juice, then. If you're not a high fructose corn syrup drinker, what is your preferred juice?
1: Mango juice. I love mango juice.
0: Your favorite pizza topping?
1: I think I have to go with buffalo chicken.
0: That is a very unique option. I don't think I've had anybody on the podcast who's chosen buffalo chicken. Not just chicken, buffalo chicken. It's got to be spicy.
1: Your favorite movie of all time. I'm big into Bollywood movies, so it would have to be a movie called Giovanni, Hey Diwani. It's a bit of a rom-com, but it's, it's something that I'd watch any time.
0: Giovanni, Hey Diwani, Who's in it? Who are the stars? Deepika Padukone and Ranbir Kapoor. Your favorite show to binge watch, whether it's Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Paramount Plus, any other streaming service or DVD box set du jour, when you've got an awful lot of time on your hands, what's your go-to?
1: Um, there are a lot of people that say you either have to be an office or a friend's person. I don't believe
0: in that. I love both. So whichever one I'm feeling in the moment, that's what I'm going with. You got to pick one or the other. You get off the fence. Come on. If, you, if you're uh, on a desert island and you can only take one with you, which one would it be? I got to go with The Office. Steve Carell, the American version, not the UK version. Yeah,
1: the American version, yeah.
0: There you have it, Rahul Jarawala. Thank you so much for coming on the Stars and Strapes Cricket Podcast. I'll give you the final word. Anything else you want to say that you want people to know about you, about your journey inside or outside of cricket?
1: Just don't give up. Life gets hard. Don't give up. That's all I got to say.
0: And you are a perfect embodiment of that coming back from – the adversity you faced earlier this year being left out of the USA under 19 squad, and then not even seven months go by, and you're in the USA senior team, ready to make your debut as a 17 year old. Everybody's looking forward to that and getting behind you in the US cricket community. So, Rahul Jarwal, congratulations and Thank good you. luck later this month Thank as USA much. gets it to take on Ireland. Thank you,
1: Peter.
0: Thanks so much again to Rahul Jarwal for coming on the podcast. At times he can be a little bit soft-spoken, but he does most of his talking with the cricket bat when he steps onto the field. And people in the U.S. community will be hoping he makes a very big statement with the bat. When he gets his opportunity to suit up in the red, white, and blue against Ireland. I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to the podcast on Patreon. All the patriots on Patreon help keep the podcast going on an episode-by-episode basis. I appreciate everybody who has signed up already to become a patriot on Patreon. You can start to support the podcast for as little as $3 a month if you haven't already done so. Go to patreon.com to do that today, and you can also get each new episode when it becomes available by subscribing to the podcast on youtube and video format or by subscribing to the audio version of the podcast which can be found on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify anchor fm and numerous other podcasting platform locations that's it for this episode i'm peter de La pena reminding everybody god bless america and god bless american cricket